Eagles Entertainment. With the 10th pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select... You're listening to the Journey to the Draft Podcast. Welcome to the Journey of the Draft podcast presented by Life Friend. I'm your host, Fran Duffy, and today we continue our preview of the 2021 college football season going into the Big 12, and we got a lot of fun teams to break down. We've got the Oklahoma Sooners, Lincoln Riley, potential number one pick whenever he decides to come out, and Spencer Rattler, the quarterback there. We've got a lot of great offenses, some interesting defensive players as well throughout the rest of the conference. we got Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Iowa State, very interesting team there on both sides of the football. New look Texas squad. We've got TCU and Baylor, Texas Tech, West Virginia, Kansas State, and Kansas. We're going to cover all 10 of these teams in depth with a couple of guys. Obviously, everybody knows Ben Fennel. He's always on this show. You can follow him on Twitter at Ben Fennel underscore NFL. And then we're also going to be joined by a guy that I've been following now for a couple of years, and that's Ryan Roberts. You can follow him on Twitter at Rise and Draft. He works over with the College Gridiron Showcase. He does a great job on Twitter posting scouting reports and breakdowns of college players all across the country. So I thought, you know what, let's bring Ryan onto the show. He could break down some of these top players in the Big 12. Those of you wondering, where is Dane Brugler? I need my dose of Dane. Well, he announced last week. I didn't want to say it on the show. I didn't want to break news here on the show. He and his wife welcomed a couple of extra kids uh, to the family uh, as they welcomed a beautiful pair uh, of twins just a week ago. So uh, Dane's going to enjoy some well-deserved time off. Uh, I would say rest. He's not resting right now. That's, that's to be sure. Uh, but we'll have Dane on once again soon. In his place, we've got Ryan Roberts. We've got a lot to break down. As always, the best way to throw us your support as we get closer and closer to the college football season, go on to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating, leave us a comment. Appreciate everybody that has done that lately. If you've got a question, make sure you drop it on there as well. And we don't just have the Big 12 preview today because we also are going to be welcoming one of, one of my favorite interviews every single year, and that's with Pete Sampson from The Athletic covering Notre Dame. We're going to get into a lot of the top players for the Irish this year. We talked about some of them last year when we broke down the top prospects outside the Power Five with Ben and with Emery Hunt. Well, Pete's going to join us once again to talk through some of those top players. So we've got Pete Sampson. We've got Ryan Roberts. We've got Ben Fennel. Let's kick things off now with Draft Buzz. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. All right, well, excited to dig into the top prospects in the Big 12 Conference, as I mentioned, joined by Ben Fennell and Ryan Robertson. Guys, look, there's one big name that's kind of looming over this whole thing, and that's the redshirt sophomore quarterback, Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma. I know all three of us have thoughts on Spencer Rattler. Uh, Ben, I'll go to you first. Uh, I know this is a guy uh, that you definitely wanted to talk about, and and for good reason, one of the more talented players, regardless of position in the entire draft. Well, Spencer Rattler out of Oklahoma, before even getting into his ability or how he plays the quarterback position, I think it's important to kind of dissect who he is because he is a fiery, confident competitor. He is a leader in the locker room. He's a leader in the huddle. He's a guy that gives not only the confidence within himself, but the offense and the team. He's a guy that people want to rally around. He is a CEO type quarterback. Now, how does he get the job done? little unconventional. He's incredible arm strength and throw from multiple angles on the move, incredible improvisational skills. And he's a little bit of a creator when the play breaks down. He keeps his eyes up a lot like the way we evaluated Zach Wilson, who we wouldn't say is an elite athlete or a game breaker, uh, you know, in the open field or, you know, when creating out of structure, but he's a creator for other people when things break down. I think that's what you want first and foremost, not only Saturdays, but on Sundays and use that athleticism just when you need to. Uh, Now things he needs to improve on the ball security, the presence in the pocket, the timing, the anticipation, the reads, which is a great offense that Lincoln Riley has designed for the quarterback just needs to clean up some things in the polishing of playing quarterback. They're going to put up yards. They're going to put up points. Now let's just clean up all the mechanical issues and the timing issues on a down-to-down basis. Honestly, like three or four years ago, uh, after watching Spencer Rattler, I probably would be very down on him. But uh, we have talked before uh, about things that we've learned from our past, right? And I had some of the same issues that I had with Spencer Rattler. I had those same issues with Patrick Mahomes, who was that cavalier passer, outstanding arm talent consistent ball placement, go put it wherever he wanted to, but was definitely a little bit unconventional in terms of what he did going through his progressions and living outside of structure. And I think that Spencer Rattler, kind of to your point, Ben, a little bit too much outside of structure. You want to see him hit more of those layoffs that Lincoln Riley is able to create in that offense. But that said, he can make any throw. So it's a matter of, hey, if we can rein him in a little bit, 
and get him to uh, cut down on some of those mistakes that he made, especially the first half of last year. And again, that was his first year starting, just a redshirt freshman a year ago. Uh, I think then you could say that the arrow is pointing up. Ryan, excited to get your thoughts on Spencer Rattler as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think what Ben was kind of talking about with, you know, being the CEO, being the fiery competitor, I think that really came into effect because you just mentioned it, the fact of like the first game was against an FCS opponent. He killed it. Then he kind of went through a little bit of stretch where he kind of had to really understand what he can get away with, what he can't get away with. But then when he hits that adversity, he comes out on the other side and he plays his best stretch uh, stretch football going down, you know, to the end of the season, the latter portions down into the, the bowl game where he was fantastic. So I, I think that the just the ability for him to come out on the other side after hitting adversity says a lot to the character that he has, to the competitor that he has. And then, I mean, the, the unteachables are what gets you so excited because this yep. kid, you know, just a such a natural passer of the football, being able to layer to multiple levels of the field, you know, throw with, with touch and being able to zip the football into tight windows when he needs to. I think that there is everything from a passing perspective and then he can do the things outside of structure. He's the most dynamic athlete of all time. I don't think so, but I think that he can extend the pocket. He can work out of structure. I think there are even some times where his athleticism could even be more of a help to him because I feel like he extends the ball as a passer so often that sometimes he gets himself into trouble by holding on to the ball a little too much. There are maybe a couple easy first downs running the football that could help him from making some of those some of those, you know, poor judgment throws. But I, I really do think that he has all the tools. He's the, you know, almost consensus guy to potentially be the first quarterback off the board next year. And I think that those unteachables is what people really gravitate towards. You know, I think it's a little bit of that arm arrogance. And once he yep. gets out of structure, he gets really arrogant where yep. it's like run for that free six, seven yards in front of you rather than trying to whiz it in there over the middle back across the grain, which he has the ability to, but let's just clean up that type of decision-making completely on board with what you're saying, Ryan. Yeah, I, I think when you look overall at just the, the overall body of work, and Ryan, you alluded to his ability to fight through adversity. We saw that over the course of the season, but even like if you just take one game as a microcosm, you go to that Texas game, uh, he gets benched, you know, for all intents and purposes, got, you know, he's, he goes to the sideline for the majority of the second quarter. They bring him back after halftime and he leads them to victory against the Longhorns. It was like a, what, four, four overtime, five overtime win. Um, I've watched that game numerous times over the last week because of players on both sides. Uh, but, you know, that, I think that's a really good example of his ability to fight through adversity. My last note on Neville Gall or on uh, Spencer Rattler comes from his former teammate in Neville Gallimore. I talked with him down at the Senior Bowl, January 2020. This was Jalen Hurts' final season, uh, you know, down there at Oklahoma. Spencer Rattler was a redshirt player, so he didn't play uh, in that 2019 season. But I knew he was the big, you know, he was the hotshot name coming up, likely going to be a starter next year. So I asked Neville Gallimore about him, and Neville has said, "Look." This guy brought it every single day in practice. Like he did not take a day off. Everything was like a game for him. So you could tell that he always kind of brought those competitive juices to the practice field, which you like to see from a former teammate as well, Ben. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something we saw out in high school with Spencer Rattler. And I feel like some of the more endearing things we see in the NFL, some of those sideline wires. And I just think back to Patrick Mahomes being down 21 in the playoffs to the Texans or whatever it was two years ago. And they never blinked. They never flinched. And he's that type of guy that I think gives everybody confidence, whether you're down early or down late. It's like we got Spencer. Spencer can get us out of this. And he just kind of oozes that type of confidence from himself to his teammates. And I think that's what you want, first and foremost, somebody infectious, uh, particularly at that quarterback spot. So obviously, look, this this category is the top prospect, and we all assume that if Spencer Rattler is in this draft, uh, that he would be the first Big 12 player off the board. But I do think there's another guy that you could make a, a, an argument for, and that would be Iowa State running back Brees Hall. Six foot one, 220 pounds. He's a big back with great vision and patience. That's really one of the things that stands out to me is his full field vision. He sets defenders up at the second and third level for failure consistently. And that's not just, oh, he gets up to the second level and is able to make that man miss. He's making those guys miss when he's approaching the line of scrimmage because he'll just throw, you know, oh, I'm going C-gap, C-gap, C-gap. He gets the safety or our linebacker to bite down inside. And now he's off the outside the opposite gap. So I think when you look at Brees Hall, uh, this is a guy who could be a foundation piece at that size. Excellent contact balance, ability to play through contact, proven three down player as well. Good blocker, not a dynamic athlete and, and not a, a high volume pass target, but a guy that has shown soft hands when used as a receiver. So I think when you look at the overall three down potential, uh, this is a guy that I think can be a lead ball carrier for an NFL offense. And at that size, 
the ability to be the piece uh, on offense as well. So Brees Hall, uh, a really, really exciting player, just going to be a, a junior here this fall. Hey, really quick, 30 seconds. I think Vegas would be solely set on Spencer Rattler being the first yeah, Big 12 course. player off the board. But who else is in that conversation? Fran, you're throwing Brees Hall. I may throw some money on Marion Winfrey from Oklahoma. Mm who came out of JUCO only one year out there so far. So his second year out in Norman coming up, if he keeps ascending, he could have a top 10 type of, uh, you know, trajectory and value in next year's draft. Just trying to throw some other names in the conversation. I think it's going to be Rattler, Brees Hall, Perry and Winfrey. I don't know if you had somebody Ryan, maybe to throw into the uh, number two spot for a Vegas prep bet. Well, I'd say Brees would definitely be my guy. I love yep. the pick from Fran. I mean, he's a guy that I've seen a lot of different comparisons thrown out there. I've seen Lev Bell. And the yep. guy that I kind of threw out there was he reminded me of, you know, kind of working back to the Jets days of Curtis Martin. I, I feel mm. like I don't think that he is per se the prototype power back. I don't think he's per se the prototype home run threat, but I think that he does everything very well to plus. And then that vision that you talked about being, you know, just in a zone system, being able to hit backside A to B, maybe even all the way bends it all the way back to C. I think that he is definitely a guy that is firmly in that conversation. I love the Perry and Winfrey mention. I think, you know, Ben, we talked about this a couple of times on, on Twitter, just the Oklahoma defense in general. I'm an mm-hmm. Isaiah Thomas fan, defense Ben that has worked both inside and out. I think he's that, you know, that big end that really has some alignment versatility on obvious passing down. So exciting times for, Oklahoma football in general and defense, because I can't remember the last time that this defense was this talented. They're about eight, nine, ten deep in that front seven. I don't know where if there's enough snaps to go around. I mean, there's guys <laughs> that have been there for six, seven years, like Caleb Kelly, that have been leapfrogged by young guys and just doesn't seem like there's enough spots, but they are deep. It took me, it was a daunting task, like getting into a study that front, that front four specifically. It's like, there's just too many guys uh, to be able to get into, but we'll talk about a couple of these guys uh, here through the rest of this podcast. Let's keep the conversation going, staying on the offensive side. And we'll go first with our top senior on offense. We'll stay with the Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma Sooners. Ryan, uh, we'll come to you. I know you want to talk about a guy on their offensive front. Yeah, I think that they have two very talented guard prospects in Marquise Hayes and uh, Tyrese Robinson. I prefer Marquise a little bit just because I love the body and the frame that he possesses right around six foot five, 340 pounds. And I think that he does everything that you would assume of a guard of that size. And you would think, you know, gap power schemes, the ability to displace gaps work up to the second level. He does all those things really well, but I also think that he's a pretty solid athlete for the position as well. And I think he has some flexibility to him. I've seen his body get contorted in some awkward ways and he's just able to maintain balance. And I don't see him end up on the ground unless he's on top of another player. So I think that he has a lot of the size attributes. I think he's a good athlete overall. I think that he can fit into whether you're a heavy zone scheme, heavy power scheme. I think he can do a little bit of everything. So Marquis Hayes for me, uh, starting guard, forming arguably the best guard duo in the country there for Oklahoma is a fantastic football player. Yeah, I know we'll continue to talk about that Oklahoma offensive front. I'm going to stay on that side of the ball, and I'm going to go with Oklahoma running back Kennedy Brooks, who opted out a year ago, so did not play in 2020. 5'11", 214 pounds. And to me, I look at Kennedy Brooks as just a very solid do-everything player. He's a patient runner. He's slippery. He's a pretty good blocker. He's quicker than fast. Uh, solid power to play through contact. It's kind of like Brees Hall, just kind of a lowercase Brees Hall. And I think when you overall, when you look at Kennedy Brooks, probably more, I lean more towards this guy's a strong number two, maybe a lead committee back than a true foundation piece of an offense. Um, you know, maybe you think of like prime Jeremy Hill when after he came out of LSU, like that, that kind of player. Um, but I like Kennedy Brooks, and that's a guy that I feel could be uh, you know in the running for one of the top seniors uh, in this conference, especially if he can come back and have a really strong season after not playing uh, a year ago. Ben, let's come to you, and I want—I know you want to go back uh, to Iowa State and, and to the Cyclones. Yeah, Kennedy reminds me a lot of Chris Carson, just to give kind of a snapshot sure, to some I like fans that. out there. But those Cyclones, man, they got a bunch of prospects on both sides of the ball this year. I think that starts with tight end Charlie Kohler, who's 6'6", 255, returned for another season out there. One of the more productive tight ends in the country with over 100 reception in his career. But the more impressive thing – only three drops on 160 catches. This guy is a quarterback's best friend, extremely reliable. He's that low post rebounder type, good in the red zone, good over the middle, contested catches. He's not really a separator. He's not a yak threat, kind of a lumbering runner guy. You know, he's a good, not a great blocker. I just think he's really well-rounded, experienced all over the formation, whether it's, you know, in the wing, the Y, the slot, you want to put him in the backfield. Reminds me a ton of like a Todd Heap. 
who is never a over-the-top mm. blocker, never an over-the-top receiving threat, but a B-plus in both. And I think he's going to be a guy that plays for a long time, maybe an early day-two pick, not talking a first-rounder, but Charlie Kohler has put together a lot of good uh, football on tape for Iowa State. And you may have listened to Ben just now and thought, oh, well, that, that guy doesn't sound like he would be an NFL starter. So often at that position, at tight end, if you are, as Ben described, if you are a B player as a pass catcher and as a blocker, more often than not, those guys will, quote unquote, start ahead of a guy who is A in one category and C or D in another. So if you are well-rounded like that, you've got that versatility, uh, you can be a three-down player uh, as a starter at tight end. Uh, let's go now to the underclassmen ranks here. Most intriguing underclassmen on offense. Ben, I'm going to come back to you because you're I know you're excited uh, about a couple of these receivers in this conference. There's a bunch of interesting ones, as there always is, at Texas and Oklahoma. We go down to Texas Tech, and this is going to be quick, guys. Eric Ezukama, really interesting player, 6'3", 220, led the team back-to-back in receiving uh, down there at Texas Tech, only a redshirt junior. Unfortunately, a pretty serious broken arm in spring practice. I'm not sure when he's going to be available, when he's going to be healthy, but he was certainly a guy NFL scouts had their eyeballs on uh, this fall. Really good size, 6'3", 220 again, but unfortunately hurt in spring practice, but we won't forget about you. I'm going to stay in the state here with Texas wide receiver Joshua Moore, who's going into his junior season, 6'1", 162 pounds, so a very slender build, uh, you know, really kind of that tall, linear, like, you know, think like a Robbie Anderson, uh, a Marquez Valdez-Scantling, that kind of a build. Um, led the team in receiving last year in catches, yards, touchdowns. He caught nine touchdowns a year ago from Sam Ellinger. Just needed to play better through contact. Again, 162 pounds, that shows up on film. You know, whether he's getting bumped off the route, you know, winning at the catch point. I want to see him play a little bit better through contact, but the flashes are really, really good. And you guys both know this time of year, we're a little bit more likely to buy into the upside, to buy into the flashes. And when you watch Josh Moore, uh, this guy's got speed to get on top, but then also to make plays at all three levels of the football field. I just want to see more consistency uh, here from Josh Moore. Kind of reminds me of Jamon Moore, who was, a, a, I believe, a fourth-round pick, Ben, right, of the Green Bay Packers a few years ago out of Mizzou. Similar kind of build, similar kind of athlete, similar skill set. Moore didn't necessarily make it with the Packers. I want to see if Josh Moore uh, can build off what he showed as a sophomore a year ago. Ryan, I want to come to you. Any thoughts on either of these two receivers here uh, in Josh Moore or uh, Ezukanma? Or uh, let's hear from you, your name as well. I know you want to go back to the Oklahoma trenches. Yeah, yeah. I think Eric Ezukanma is a – and I'm – I apologize if I, you know, butchered that name. No, you nailed it. I wish I said it that clean. (laughs) Awesome. Um, So I I think that he's the height, weight, speed guy. And I mean, when you look at the yards per catch that he's been able to put over over the last couple of years, like this guy is not limited to just being that, that traditional, you know, uh, possession receiver that doesn't have the ability to push vertically. Like he definitely has that attributes. He can win above the rim. I like a lot of what he is. Unfortunately with the injury, like Ben was kind of talking about it, it's very unfortunate. You know, maybe we won't get the full scope of what he's able to do, but I really am excited about him just for the future. And I know you guys, I listened to an episode the other day where you were talking about, you know, the transfer portal and guys, you know, some of the top prospects that were, were transferred this off season. Wanye Morris for me was a guy that I want to highlight that another Oklahoma mm. guy who, Talked about Tyrese Robinson a little bit. Talked about Marquise Hayes more in depth. This guy is the assumed starter at left tackle for for uh, Oklahoma. And I highlighted him a little bit the other day because I watched the Tennessee film and there's a lot to like from number 64. The, yep. Again, we go back to the unteachables at offensive tackle that are so important. The length, the, the size, measurables. I think he's a good athlete. It's not nearly a finished product, and I think he has a relatively high, you know, high ceiling to him. But the floor scares me a little bit. But I really am excited to see him work in Oklahoma, who's done such a good job in recent years developing guys like Orlando Brown Jr. Mm. and um, and uh, Cody Ford, and so many good football players on the next level. I'm excited to see how good Wanya Morris can be with some great coaching. Ahead, hey, really quick, guys, before we turn the page here, that's a great call there on Wanya Morris coming over from Tennessee, which seems like there's volunteers now dispersed all over the country. <laughs> uh, they may not have won a lot of games out there, but there's some very talented players. But going back to Josh Moore really quick. Yeah. This guy's 165 pounds soaking wet. Yep. Is there becoming a little bit more of an acceptance of these receivers that they aren't just the outliers, the Deshaun Jacksons and Taylor Gabriels that come around once every seven years, but – Now we're seeing almost year in and year out and not just over the top guys, but guys that went underneath, you know, whether it's Jalen Darden and Tutu who got drafted last year or um, KJ Hamler the year before that. It's seeming like these sub 175 guys 
are becoming a little bit more accepted at the next level. I, I think if you show, and this is the case with all guys at every position, um, if you are undersized, then you need to be able to show some kind of exceptional trait elsewhere to be able to overcome that, right? So uh, you look, you mentioned Tutu, like, yeah, he, what was he, 155 at that medical recheck a couple months ago, right? But, I mean, the guy runs like the wind. He, he is a ridiculously dynamic athlete. So, um, you know, he's going to bring that. Jalen Darden, a really dynamic player down there for North Texas. So, to me, when I see Josh Moore, I'm like, all right, like, if he comes in at 166, we'll see what he comes in, uh, you know, by the time we get to February and March. But I think when you look at Moore, He's got to be able to prove that he could be a consistent big play weapon uh, to be able to kind of overcome that lack of size. And, and just in my opinion. Yeah, I think it's just an interesting yeah. kind of fluid developing, you know, uh, group of prospects. And when you yeah. have, you know, 166 pound Hollywood Brown going in the first yep. round, it's like nobody's really ruled out anymore. Yeah. And I'm sure you guys have obviously gotten into a lot with the Devonta Smith narrative, right? But about being 160, whatever pounds. And I, I think that we have seen that some people, it makes them nervous, right? Because you don't have historical data for that size profile to be overly successful. But I feel like that narrative could be changed soon as we get more and more guys of that size profile. Soon those outliers are going to become not a trend, but maybe just a more of the accepted type of thresholds for the wide receiver position. My I brain, mean, for some reason, didn't even go to Devontae. I don't know yeah. why he wasn't even on the tip of my tongue. Well, the, guys, honestly, we talked at the top of the show about Spencer Rattler, who's 6'1", 205. And if this was five years ago, seven years ago, the only we would be like, oh, he's too small. Like, oh, it's too small, too small, too small. But we're past that at this point, right? I mean, we, we saw Kyler Murray go one overall. Obviously, we've seen the success of Russell Wilson. Baker Mayfield goes one overall at his size. So, uh, you know, we're seeing that across the board, us kind of moving past uh, the size narrative on the offensive side of the football. All right, we're going to take a quick break so I can tell you more about Eagles Youth Football Clinics. And if you're local to the Philadelphia area, you have to know that they are back and in person on July 24th, open to boys and girls ages 6 to 14. This non-contact football clinic is a great opportunity for young athletes to learn from Eagles legends and improve their football skills with the Eagles of Football Academy coaches. Athletes will be grouped by age and taught football skills and fundamentals. Participants receive an Eagles Academy t-shirt and an Eagles player pack. Register today at eaglesacademies.com. Let's now switch switch gears, though, to defense. And uh, I'll go with a player, Ben, that you, that you mentioned at the top in terms of a guy that could be in the running to be one of the top players in this conference. And that, that's Oklahoma's Perry and Winfrey, six foot four, 290 pounds. Um, ben, you mentioned coming out of junior college, he was the top junior college recruit coming out uh, last year, goes to Oklahoma, starts eight games. Goes second team, all Big 12, uh, was pretty productive over the course of the entire season. Good athlete, gets off the ball fast, good change of direction. He'll corner and flatten and chase the football, burst to close. He's rangy, he's got a good motor. He's fun to watch. And really, honestly, with that scheme, we talked about how deep that front is. They are so active. It is like stunt after stunt after stunt after stunt. So those guys are always on the move. You don't necessarily see them like, you know, trying to gap and hold their ground and try and anchor all the time uh, in the run game. You don't see a ton of the run game in the Big 12 anyway. Um, but that, So that'll be a little bit of a question. But I think when you look at Winfrey, uh, this guy has the ability to be a really impressive in interior disruptor. If he could take that next step uh, of really impressive, I think he's an NFL starter. So Winfrey, uh, that would be my pick here in terms of top senior on the defensive side. Uh, Ryan, let's go to you. Uh, who would be your pick for that selection? Yeah, one of my favorite watches I've had over the last few weeks, obviously I knew the name with Terrell Bernard, the linebacker out of Baylor, because he was off to a fantastic start in 2020. He had over 50 tackles in the five games that he played before uh, before he suffered a shoulder injury that cost him to the latter of the season. So for, for a guy of this size profile, I have tended to shy away from it a little bit, you know, because you usually pencil these guys in as kind of, you know, your your traditional run and chase weak side linebackers. They have to contribute on special teams. For me, when I watched Bernard, I saw so much more than that. And I kind of gave a loose comparison because it's not direct comparison one for one for a size um, kind of attributes, but he plays a ton, in my opinion, like a Fred Warner out of San Francisco. And honestly, I'm not predicting that this guy is going to be the best linebacker in the NFL in a couple of years. But what I see on the second level is a very good athlete. I see great eye discipline. He's not a guy that's going to be traditional stack and shed and, you know, use a ton of physicality and length to defeat blocks. But he's a great block slipper. He gets to the spot quickly, good zone awareness. And I think that he has all the makings of being a plus starter on the next level. I gave him a late two, and I was a little surprised that he graded that highly for me. And I, I really do think 
that a guy like Terrell Bernard is a fantastic football player. Joining a guy like Jalen Petrie on that defense, I think there's a lot more talent on the Baylor defense than maybe some people um, really understand at this point. Yeah, Jalen Petrie, kind of that overhang uh, defender. I know some people are really high uh, on him as well. I, ca- I kind of like what I saw from Bernard as well. I really like his ability to play through contact despite that size. I thought he played bigger uh, than, than what his frame was listed at. So uh, I was glad that you brought him up. The medical is going to be big. You mentioned the injury at the end of last year. He had a foot injury that cost him all of 2017 as well. So uh, he'll have some things to, to clear up once we get to the combine next spring. Uh, ben, let's go to you. Who would your, be your pick here for uh, top senior in the Big 12 on defense? Well, top senior on defense, and surprisingly, I'm going to go with the defensive back from the Texas Tech Red Raiders, and that's mm. DeMarcus Fields. Maybe you even have a quote from our own Zach McPherson now at the Philadelphia Eagles. Not yet. We just Work drafted. This guy's a redshirt super senior, so that's his sixth year. He took the fifth year after a redshirt, six foot, 200 pounds. This kid's a four-year starter. Over 2,400 snaps played, four picks, 22 PBUs, excellent tackler with over 160 tackles with only a handful of misses. He's got 15 penalties. Why? Because he's physical. He's chippy. He's grabby. He's going to claw you at that catch point. He's going to play to the echo of the echo of the whistle, which sometimes goes poorly with the physicality. Sometimes he rakes that ball out late, and it's really impressive. A guy you can rely on special teams with over 500 special team snaps in his career. He plays a lot of off-man, a lot of bail stuff, some things that may not translate well at the next level. I just think he's a really experienced player. He's a physical player and he's a high floor player because of that special teams impact may switch over to safety. Mm-hmm. Maybe that kind of nickel presence as well, because of yep. his willingness to stick his nose into the run and stuff, but just Texas tech defensive backs. You don't hear about them too often. We got one in Philadelphia. Maybe DeMarcus Fields is the next one uh, heading to the league. So we're going to go from an older prospect on defense to one of the younger defensive prospects in the country. I'm going to come right back to you, Ben, because I know you really want to talk about Oklahoma's pass rusher, Nick Benito, your pick for the most intriguing underclassman on the defensive side of the ball. Well, this guy is a lightning quick edge rusher out of Oklahoma. He led the team in pressures in 2020. He's got the combination of first step and snap timing, and they're both elite. And he immediately threatens tackles vertically, gets them to turn to the sideline. And then it's just open season with starting to toy with them. Do you go high side? Do you spin back in? Do you slant inside on him? He's good in space, whether he's kind of chasing on the backside, pursuing the boot, maybe on some zone drops. Listen, he needs to get stronger at the point of attack. That's no secret. He's 6'3", maybe 240, 245. He might even be 6'2 and change. He doesn't have that yep. great length. But this is that rush end position where we saw barely six foot Eric Stryker and Okoronkwo and some of those undersized guys that just hunt quarterbacks. Is he a Bruce Irvin? Maybe, or maybe he's a Shane Ray type of player coming out of Missouri, more of a snap jumping speed rusher. That's a liability against the run. You're drafting this guy to get quarterbacks. I don't think he's quite the Brian Burns type of player, but that's the type of player. I think teams want out of Benito want to see him improve the run defense this year. We know he's going to get quarterbacks. For what it's worth, and I think most of the guy, most of these undersized rushers will say this every offseason, but for what it's worth, uh, some of the interviews he's given this offseason, he's talked about, number one, getting bigger and stronger, but then number two, uh, working on some different counter moves to be able to win low side. And I think that that'll be big for him as well because a lot of it right now, high side, high side, high side, as an outside rusher, uh, want to see him kind of expand and just, on that. And just to touch on one more time, we already talked about deep front seven. Yep. That could help him, that could hurt him. Yeah. He could maybe be down in the sack total next year, but still have same amount of pressures because the other guys beat him to the quarterback. Mm. There's going to be some third downs where it's a race to the quarterback where he may win his pass rush, but may, may not win the down. So really important to kind of look at the production as well uh, coming the season. So Benito, a really impressive athlete, maybe not the most impressive athlete we were going to hit on in the front seven in this category. Cause Ryan, uh, you've got a guy, I studied him as well. Texas linebacker, Demarvi and Overshone. He's, he's a really impressive athlete for sure. Yeah, he's he's what – I mean, he is the dynamic athlete on the second level. I, I think of it as like an Alec Ogletree type of arc to his career because obviously Ogletree was a high-ranked safety recruit coming to Georgia, and he had kind of settled into the linebacker eventually. His body just had the ability to add weight. And, I mean, Overshone came in with Caden Stearns. He came in with B.J. Foster – three top ranked safety recruits. And you were kind of wondering at the time, like how do these guys all fit? Obviously before last season, Overshone makes the the transition to off ball linebacker, the full time. And he has some room to grow both from a processing perspective and from a physical perspective. He's playing around 215, 217 pounds. 
And, you know, he had for his entire life had been learning to work from depth and to have those safety eyes, right. To have the, the ability to work from depth and see things that are developing in front of him. Now on the second level, things are happening a lot quicker. Your keys are a lot different. Th- those nuances of the game is something that he still needs to improve upon. But when we're talking about, again, the unteachables, we keep going back to that. I mean, this kid has length for days. He is incredibly twitchy, athletic. I think that he can have some success both in zone coverage. I think he can man up on guys because I think that he has that twitchiness to him. And he's a he's a heat-seeking missile coming downhill. Like, he has no you know, reservations about getting downhill. Now, sometimes the angles aren't the best. Sometimes he doesn't take on blocks the best. But I think that the 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 skill set here is something that the NFL is really going to value because he is a again a dynamic athlete on that second level. You're hoping for like that Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa type of player. He was used more stack last year than JOK was, but uh, you know at 6'4", 217 pounds. I mean, this is a long, lean, angular body type. Uh, and you mentioned, I mean, look, the, honestly, the big thing that stuck out to me like the eye discipline, the lack of gap discipline in the run game that showed up hey, that's just got to improve but from a, a physical standpoint it's like we said earlier we're willing to buy in uh to the upside right now in the summer going into that season uh that's what i'm hoping to see there from overshawn ben i really haven't watched overshawn is he playing out in space like that nickel sam or is he a true mike will a little bit yeah, of he's, he's, go ahead go ahead ryan yep. yeah oh no i was gonna say um i mean you see him at overhang sometimes playing kind of like that big sam but for the most part he's playing will he's please yep. come he's playing in pursuit he's not playing on the front side too much he's really a guy that you're you're really settling in on his speed and trying to make up distance from the backside. Because all I have written down is looks like the box safety version of our very uh, impressive prospect up there at Notre Dame, Kyle Hamilton, who's more right. of a back end player. Yeah. But and now I think we're calling Overshawn a linebacker through and through. So the comparisons may be uh, leaving us at this point. I mean, he's 6'4", 217. It's not, it's not a bad comparison. They're similar body yeah, types, yeah. similar type of athletes. <laughs> and from what I've heard, some people prefer the presence of an Overshawn over Kyle Hamilton. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to go uh, to the secondary here, and I'm going to go with a guy that really stood out to me on film, and that's TCU corner, Trevious Hodges Tomlinson, uh, the nephew of perhaps the, I would say, I would say probably not really an argument there, the best TCU player of all time, Ladanian Tomlinson, um, silky smooth athlete, 5'9, 177 pounds. So he's undersized, but great athlete, easy change of direction. He's got burst to close, he's got outstanding feet. Plays from off coverage, and you'll see him jump routes routinely uh, when he's playing in zone. Really sticky man corner as well. He can plant and drive. He's got the ability to hip pocket at all three levels. Zero career interceptions. That's going to be a little bit of a question mark coming in. Now, Asante Samuel Jr. last year also had zero career interceptions uh, coming into that season. Was able to get a couple picks last year. Ended up being a second-round pick. I think you look at the same thing here with Hodges Tomlinson because he's got a great knack for getting the football on the ground. So while he hasn't been able to get picks, he's gotten a lot of ball disruptions, and he's got he's just got a knack of playing through the receiver's hands, getting the football on the ground. He's a willing tackler. He's just small. And I think the competitiveness shows up. This is a guy that can play inside or outside. Most of the time has been playing outside so far for the Horned Frogs. But I saw Hodges Tomlinson as a, as a three-down player uh, in the NFL. And, again, that inside-outside versatility. Uh, hasn't played a ton in the slot, but he's done a little bit of it. I'm excited to watch how he's used here uh, this fall for TCU. But I don't know if either of you guys have watched Hodges Tomlinson, but uh, this is a guy I was really, really high on. Yeah, he's 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 a pesky dude. You know, I, when we were originally talking about Asante Samuel Jr. last year, I was kind of hesitant at first to say like he could be a guy that could play outside mm-hmm. in because you just kind of see the size profile and your mind just kind of kind of pencils those guys in to move inside. But I think that despite the the size from Hodges Tomlinson, like he is a guy that has great route recognition. Now he's going to be a guy that needs to play from off, needs to play a, a good bit of zone. Like he's not a guy that you're going to want to get up in the face and. You know, there's going to be obviously some length limitations to him, both at the at the catch point and both at the line of scrimmage. But I think he is a pesky dude that can follow. I mean, we talk about like the the Devonte Adams of the world, right? Like from a snap to snap basis, he might be playing outside, he might be playing inside. Like this is a guy that I think can follow some of those smaller body type wide receivers, and I think that he is that profile. That again, I think he can cross train at multiple spots and give you a lot of alignment versatility on the back end. Uh, the, the Jason Verrett comps might be like low yes. hanging fruit because of TCU, but that's the type of player. And I think he can, he can do what Verrett has done when healthy uh, in the NFL. Uh, let's now go to our next category. Biggest sleeper, someone who we think is flying under the radar. We'll go uh, with Hodges Tomlinson's teammate first, Ben, uh, down in the trenches. Yeah, I'm quickly panicking, looking up pronunciation guides here at the last minute, so I apologize. But I think it's O'Shawn, O'Shawn Mathis. So, yes. 
long, lean edge rusher out of TCU, 6'5", 250. This is a athletic stand-up outside linebacking defensive end off the edge, long limbs hanging down to his knees, ankles. And when he works that long arm, you see full extension, really good separation and strength between him and the tackle. They love to stunt him and work him in with games. He'll even drop off and just spy the quarterback. He's that athletic on third down to just mirror these mobile quarterbacks in the Big 12, springy, explosive out of that stance. He just has a lean lower half. You know, he's a guy that needs to get stronger from the ground up. He's the guy I think resembles a Brian Burns much more than a uh, Nick Benito at Oklahoma. This guy's a little bit more in the 6'5 frame with those long limbs. Just needs to get stronger in the butt and those lower legs there. Uh, But a really interesting player with some other young guys on that defensive front that he could clean up some sacks and really uh, add to that sack total that I think people want just a little bit higher out there at TCU. All three of us have edge rushers here for this category, so we'll kind of get through them quick. Ryan, I'll come to you. You want to talk about Iowa State's Will McDonald, another uh, edge rusher here from the Big 12. Yeah, he's he's kind of a funky guy to watch a little bit on film because you're looking at the Iowa State defense that's running like 3-3-5 base, so he's playing – like, you know, almost a head up position most of the time, head up on the tackle. And he's a guy that is right around six foot four, 230, 235 pounds. So he's not the guy that you could would look at as a traditional three down defensive end, but he has extreme flexibility in that big 12 conference. He has, uh, you know, enough, definitely enough juice to win the outside track, even though he's usually aligned, not as an outside track rusher, but then the really stuck out to me was, I think he has, some nuance to his game as far as the ability to work inside counters and jump gap to gap. I think he's a penetration style player that's from, from an outside track and then the ability to work back inside has a lot of flexibility to him. I think there's a bunch of guys this year, like my Jay Sanders from Cincinnati is another guy that like they need to add size. They need to add strength. They are not you know going to be for everyone, but for those guys that really value those long athletic, flexible rushers that can, you know, bent impossible angles. I feel like a guy like Will McDonald from Iowa State is going to be a huge riser because I feel like a lot, of, a lot, a lot of people talk about that. Even though, like Ben said, there's a lot of guys on that defense from Mike Rose and, and you know the, the safety that that um has I think is also a, a super super senior as well. So a lot of guys, I, I really like Will McDonald. Will McDonald, I think, deserves a whole segment of conversation because this guy is on a meteoric rise, and if he keeps rising. We're talking about a first-round player and maybe a top half of the first-round type of prospect just to kind of paint the full picture. Player of the year in basketball coming out of high school, state discus champ, and he won the discus wearing Chuck Taylors. He's also third in the high jump, was on the freak list two years ago for a 6'9 wingspan. So this is a freak athlete with a lot of length. He came to campus as a linebacker, Mm. so he had to convert to Mm -hmm. defensive end. First team all Big 12 last year with zero starts. He only played over 300 snaps, 343 snaps. So this is kind of a rotational role player that they just let Hutton quarterbacks on third down and sub packages uh, in that weird 3-3-5 scheme. But this is a springy guy, very explosive. He's going to work in spin moves. If he could just get more playing time, see himself on the field consistently, which I think 2021, he should be on the field every down, every snap type of type of player. He could keep ascending and really being not just one of the best pass rushers in the Big 12, but in the country. Uh, perfect pick for this category in terms of a guy that could outperform what we're currently discussing on Matt. Uh, I'm going to go with another pass rusher, another defensive lineman, built a little bit differently than Mathis and a little bit differently than McDonald. And I'm going to go with Isaiah Thomas. Uh, Ryan, you mentioned him earlier from Oklahoma, six foot five, 266, only a one year starter uh, this past season. But he started the year as a, an outside player, as a seven tech defensive end. But then due to injuries and suspensions, he actually slid inside and became more of a a two-eye or a three technique. So this is a guy that's got great positional versatility, and that's going to be something he can hang his hat on moving into the NFL. You listen to Alex Grinch, the defensive coordinator. He called him the team MVP. He was second-team all-conference last year, was really productive, seven and a half sacks, 12 TFLs. I'll tell you what, the other big thing, I thought, and I mentioned all the different stunts and games that they play up front, he was outstanding at running those and helped set up production and disruption for his teammates because he was an absolute hammer as a pinner on some of those TE stunts and some of those ET stunts. So Isaiah Thomas, a very versatile player. I like his ability to play through contact. He's just not as dynamic. He's not a terrible athlete, but he's just not as dynamic as McDonald or as Mathis or some of these other guys and Nick Benito. But I think when you look at Thomas, uh, look, he, he's got a couple different tools in the toolbox for getting after the quarterback. You like the size profile. Guys that are that big, that are less talented than him, go on day three every single year. So I think this is a lock 
draft pick, decent one-on-one ability as a pass rusher, not going to impress you uh, solely off the hoof, uh, but I think this is a good football player. I-, I like Isaiah Thomas. Ryan, you mentioned him earlier. I know you like him as well. Yeah, no, he's, I mean, like you said, he's got that inside outside. I mean, he had as many pressures working inside as he did outside. I think he totaled right around 50 total pressures. So was a very, you know, high contributor for, for Oklahoma who has that talented front. And I think that I I would agree. He's not a guy that you would call dynamic because I don't think he's that super flexible outside rusher. I don't think he's going to win the outside track at Tom, but what I think he is, is he's that traditional power converter. And then on third downs, Throw him inside, and I mean, uh, some silly moments on film playing inside against guards. He had some guys gasping, grasping for air. Like he is just so quick in tight spaces against some interior offensive linemen. I love the inside-outside possibility of a guy like Isaiah Thomas. I feel like he's a guy that is incalculably important to a team on the next level, just because he gives you so much alignment and versatility. Now we know how much that means, especially in today's game. A lot of defenses uh, really are looking for uh, guys with that versatility. Let's go next category here. Most to prove someone with, uh, you know, maybe it's coming off an injury uh, scheme change, you know, maybe a poor season last year, but someone that's got a lot to prove. And I'll go first here with this one. I'm going to go with Iowa state quarterback, Brock Purdy. And this is a big name coming into this past season, six foot one, 212 pounds. So undersized quarterback, not going to wow you with his athleticism. He can make that first man miss He's a little bit slippery in the pocket, but he's far from a dynamic athlete um, and not a great arm talent from a velocity standpoint, right? So he's not, the tools aren't outstanding. So with that in mind, I like to see a guy that, you know, manage the game, be able, you know, be a good decision maker. And he dangerously toes that line. And I talked about him last year on this show, and I kind of praised this, but he went too far the other side uh, this past season where I think the decision-making, he kind of toes that line between gunslinger and reckless. Too often put the ball in harm's way, for my for my liking, a year ago through nine picks each of the past two seasons. So uh, this is a guy that just has to take better care of the football, kind of lean into what your strengths are. And I think when you look at Brock Purdy, uh, this is a guy that can layer throws. Um, you know, he's a good touch passer. Play with timing, play with rhythm, play within structure. Uh, and I think that this guy, you know, could last in the NFL as a, as a backup for a long time. I just want to see him kind of cut down on some of those mistakes. So that would be me uh, for Brock Purdy. Uh, ben, let's come to you. Who's the guy that you think has the most to prove here in the Big 12? Well, as much as we've been talking about Oklahoma front seven, we really haven't focused on some of the mainstays, the guys that have been there for a couple of years, and that's LaRon Stokes and Jalen Redmond for a variety of reasons. Yep. These guys need to stay healthy and stay available. LaRon Stokes was up and down in 2020 with some injuries after being their defensive newcomer of the year in 2019, led the team in sacks. So he was a guy that showed a lot of ability in 2019, high expectations last year, just never really lived up to it. But looking to get back to that 2019 form this year, and Jalen Redman, he opted out of 2020, missed almost an entire another season with the blood clots, I believe, hmm. uh, so almost two full seasons missing. He's a very, very talented interior run defender and pass rusher. So in combination with Benito and Isaiah Thomas and Winfrey and an exciting deep linebacking core, their front seven is deep, deep, deep. So I just want to see these two guys not lose their spots to some of the young guys. Mm. So most approve, stay healthy, stay available, and go get some production because these guys are extremely talented. And I'm just happy to see them all stay. There may not be snaps to go around, but it doesn't mean you have to transfer out of the program if you're not getting that, you know, first or second team playing time, you know, stay focused, stay committed and just stay healthy. And I think these guys are really ready and really hungry uh, heading into the season. With Redmond and Stokes being you know, more of a mainstay here this year, my guess is they'll try and keep Isaiah Thomas uh, out to the outside. When Stokes was down with injury, that's when they shifted uh, Thomas into more of a permanent inside role uh, this past season. So Stokes is interesting. I talked about him on the show for the Big 12 preview a year ago after he was that newcomer of the year. Kind of reminds me a little bit, Ben, of uh, former Eagle Sed Thornton. Like I feel like he's kind of got that, that body type. Uh, he's kind of deceptive athlete. He can get after the court with just the production has just been non-existent. Um, but this is a guy who has not played a ton of football. He's a Juco transfer who was homeschooled in high school. Um, you know, just uh, he's not played uh, a ton of football. Ryan, uh, you got a player going now kind of into the secondary. I would have taken this guy if you did not uh, for most to prove here in the secondary. Uh, Noah Daniels, the corner from TCU. Yeah, as soon as I saw that injury was a part of the conversation, Noah Daniels is a guy that 2019 missed the full season 2020 plays in four football games, misses the bulk of the season again. From a physical perspective, we're talking about a guy going back to high school was a 10, 300 meter guy at, at six foot plus. He has some outstanding long speed coupled with the length that he has. 
And you see, I mean, it's hard for guys to get on top of him just because he is just such an easy, loose athlete. He just hasn't played a ton of football. But, you know, I think that from a physical perspective, he's got everything that you look for. And I know that I think Jim Nagy, a director of the Senior Bowl, even highlighted him at one point. It's just, you know, if he puts it all together and has a full season injury free, he could be a big riser. I wouldn't doubt it if he goes before Hodges Tomlinson when it's all said and done because hmm. he fits the more of the profile that the NFL tends to value as an outside corner. So, no Daniels is one that I'm excited about because the the athleticism, the size is all there. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy. This is a huge make it or break it season for the Richard Jr. All right, so let's get to the next category here. Newcomer on the scene, either a transfer or a replacement player stepping in for a guy that has graduated or moved on to the NFL. Uh, Ryan, you talked about Wanye Morris, the offensive tackle uh, for Oklahoma, who came over from Tennessee. So I'll come to you first for his former teammate and current teammate now, uh, the running back, Eric Gray. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like Ben said, we have Tennessee guys all over college football. We got two that just decided to go over to Norman, Oklahoma. So Eric Gray, for me, was a four-star recruit, had some nice moments as a true freshman. I thought he had some really nice tape in 2020 as the lead ball carrier, kind of, you know, you know, sharing a load a little bit with a Ty Chandler who now is over at North Carolina. But I really do like Eric Gray for the size profile he has. I know he's up to about 207 pounds at about five foot nine. So he's pretty densely built. I think he has very good short area explosiveness. I think he is a great player to manipulate space on the second level. He makes some second level defenders look very stupid um, in space. So I, I think that he has those attributes as a pure zone runner. And I think he's got a little contact balance to him. I think he catches the ball solidly. For me, he is a guy that just kind of checks almost every box. He, he does everything relatively well. I wouldn't say necessarily there is one outstanding trait where I would say, you know, again, like, oh, outstanding power back that has big time speed or anything. But I think that Eric Gray has just kind of that all around skill set that I think combined with a Kennedy Brooks. I mean, I don't know if there's a better one to punch in all of college football in the season. Let's go, uh, and I think Eric Ray, one of the more exciting players potentially in the Big 12 uh, here this year. Ben, I know you want to stay with another skill player uh, here in the Big 12 down at TCU. Yeah, I think Eric Ray and Ty Chandler are each really going to flourish in their new yeah. homes. Uh, Eric Ray at uh, Oklahoma, Ty Chandler picking up uh, all the scraps from Javante Williams and Michael Carter at uh, North Carolina. But I'm going to go with the uh, Steve Sarkeesian bus, which he grabbed a couple Alabama players on his way to Texas, guys. Mm. Interesting linebacker Ben Davis, who's been in Alabama for five years but only played about 80 snaps. Uh, so we'll see what he has left in the tank after being a high recruit. But the interesting one, is this little running back, Keelan Robinson, didn't play last year. So he's technically a redshirt sophomore. He's about 5'9", 180. He's a small back, but he is explosive. He's exciting and could be a really nice change of pace back with their already young sophomore, Bijan Robinson, and a couple other young recruits coming in there. So I just trust him. Maybe he has a leg up on the offense, come over with Sarkeesian. Maybe it's one of his darlings out on that scout team that, you know, yeah. he's just been dying to find a way to get onto the field kickoff return or two. So a couple guys heading from Alabama over to the Texas Longhorns. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, tr another transfer. And actually this, uh, my, my player actually fits for multiple reasons because this is a transfer player who's stepping in for some uh, two players that have moved on to the NFL. So this is TCU safety, TJ Carter, the former Memphis corner. Now uh, Carter's listed 5'11", 190. He's going to step in for Trevon Merrig and Ardarius Washington down there with the Horned Frogs. Former Memphis corner, like I said, he already has 45 career starts under his belt. He's already played over 3,000 snaps in the secondary for Memphis. So this guy's got a ton of experience. He got to Memphis in 2017, freshman All-American, uh, AAC Rookie of the Year, and then he was a two-time second-team All-Conference player in 17 and 18. But then as his junior and senior years came, the, the production and the playing time kind of wore off a little bit. I know it was a little bit banged up. But this is a guy that played corner for the Tigers, making the transition to safety. I could see why they're making that transition to safety. Um, so I'm excited to see him with the position switch. Uh, but that position flexibility will certainly help him. I'm excited to see him in the new scheme. But uh, a guy that is very accomplished at the college level, uh, now making the move over to the Horned Frogs at a different position. So it'll be fun uh, to watch. Guys, let's wrap this up. Future studs, a player that's not draft eligible for 2022, um, but we need to watch for the future. And I'm going to start off with a guy that 
I, I actually couldn't help myself. I actually did a little bit of a deep dive on Oklahoma wide receiver Marvin Mims. This guy is so fun to watch. 5'11", only 177 pounds as a true freshman last year. Um, but this kid is good, a good athlete, uh, stop, start quickness, uh, the fluidity, the speed to get on top. He tracks the ball extremely well, a proven deep threat can make plays through contact late in the down, great acrobatic catches, uh, downfield made all kinds of tough catches, uh, outside the strike zone as well. Very shorthanded the ball very rarely hit the ground. Uh, Marvin Mims, he's got the makings of a really good NFL starter, so I'm excited for him, but uh, we're not talking about him until the 2023 uh, NFL draft, but just a name to keep an eye on, Ben. Yeah, absolutely. He's a fun player, and I believe, considering how prolific Oklahoma receivers have been, the first to be a freshman All-American. Yeah. So I don't think wow. C.D. Lamb did that or Hollywood Brown or whoever was uh, before them, but really fun running back out of Kansas State. Yep. Prototypical size at 5'5", 155 pounds, and that's Deuce Vaughn, who's a little Darren Sproles type of clone. You just have to with that size, position, Kansas State. <clears throat> Excuse me, but this guy is electric. You just find any ways to get him the ball, both as a runner and as a receiver. He is a lot of fun to watch out there. He is tough to tackle. He's explosive, short area quickness. He's creative. I think he's one of the few guys in college football to have – 300-300 last year or 400-400, whatever that threshold is, Fran, that you know mm -hmm. I always like to find. Love those but thresholds, yep. Deuce Vaughn, really, really fun player at Kansas State, 5'5", 160. If you ever see that on, you know, late uh, Saturday morning, Kansas State, just look for that little running back in the backfield. I like it. Ryan, who do you got for us? Yeah, I, I went with another running back. I mean, it, you mentioned Deuce Vaughn. You're talking about guys like Tank Bigsby for – for 2023 already. I went with B. John Robinson, who we also mentioned a little earlier in the podcast, running back for Texas. I went into 2020. I was holding out so much hope for Keontae Ingram. I really liked Keontae yeah. Ingram on film from a, you know, just a contact balance perspective, physical runner, had some juice to him. But of course, you know, he, he fell out of favor with the injuries, got to kind of get bagged up a bunch, had some fumbling issues. And, you know, he was kind of the one-two punch with Roshan Johnson, former quarterback recruit, who, you know, is now a 6'2", 225, 230-pound running back. But down the stretch, it is this four, high four-star, uh, five-star freshman running back, Bijan Robinson, who, again, is a nicely built running back who is super explosive. Down the stretch, he was arguably the last four or five games of the season, the best running back in all of college football. So headlining, again, a group with Tank Bigsby potentially in a couple of years is a fantastic running back out of Texas. Yeah, it's a, uh, yeah there's a couple guys uh, from this Big 12 conference that we didn't even mention that we could have gone with for, for this category, but uh, a ton of talent uh, in this conference. Guys, uh, this has been great. Thanks so much for joining us here once again on the Journey of the Draft podcast. Ben, we'll talk to you next week. Ryan, we'll have you on again here as we get into football season. All right, hope you guys enjoyed that Big 12 preview. Outstanding stuff there from Ben Fennell. And thanks again to Ryan Roberts for joining us on the show. Like I said, we're going to be joined here in Mr. Relevant by my buddy Pete Sampson. Does a great job covering the Notre Dame Fighting Irish back to independent status. Does a great job covering them on a year-round basis for the athletic. Let's get to that chat now in Mr. Relevant. It's time for Mr. Relevant. Well, excited to be joined once again by the Athletics' Pete Sampson, who does a great job covering the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. He joins us pretty much on a yearly basis here on the show. Pete, welcome back, man. That's good to be with you again. So let's talk through the Irish. Obviously, a great season last year uh, in the ACC, and I guess we'll lead that off. A year ago when we spoke, it was, things were kind of up in the air. They hadn't <laughs> quite talked, or they hadn't quite cemented the fact that they were going to join the ACC, uh, you know, on that temporary basis in 2020. We talked about the different options uh, at the feet of the Irish. They go to the ACC. They have a lot of success. Uh, they end up in the playoff. So now I want to ask you: Now that we're a year removed from that decision, and uh, they are back to independent status, what's kind of the discourse around that season? And is it something that we could see on a more permanent basis moving forward? Or do you feel like, no, they're, they're going to definitely stay uh, independent? I think they will definitely stay independent as long as they possibly can. And, yep. you know, it's, it's with the college football playoff moving towards 12 teams, to me, that sort of strengthens their independent hand because sure. they're, they're going to still have access to that postseason, uh, more access than they did before. So I, you know, I think Notre Dame sort of looks at last year as it was great. They appreciate the ACC. They have a very good working partnership with them. Uh, but to have a schedule that was supposed to start in Ireland, include Wisconsin at Lambeau Field, end in the L.A. Coliseum against USC, 
I think that's that's more what Notre, how Notre Dame sees itself from a football perspective, and, and limiting yourself within one conference, I think, is uh, that sort of runs up counter to that. So I don't. As much as I think it was a good experience, I don't think it moves the needle in terms of wanting to actually join a conference. Honestly, they were one of the first schools I thought of as I was as the you know the talk about the college football playoff expanding. I was like, yeah, Notre Dame is, is going to stay put. They're they're definitely not making yeah. that move on a permanent basis. Um, so let's get into some of these players because uh, last week on the show we broke down uh, all the top players that weren't playing in a Power Five conference that includes the independent schools and obviously Notre Dame. So one of the players that we talked about at length, and we said uh, this might be the best prospect not playing in a Power 5 school, was junior safety Kyle Hamilton. And so I want to ask you, you know, we talked about him on the field a week ago. Interesting to kind of get your take in terms of how you feel he is viewed internally by his teammates, by the coaches, uh, your interactions with him. What is he like away from the field, and what has been the buzz about him in that sense? Very smart guy. Uh, I don't think he's sort of your rah-rah leader type. I, I wouldn't say like his default setting is to you know, stand up in front of the team and, and give a speech or, you know, drag guys along that way. Um, I think he has that in him. And I think that will probably show this fall, hmm. but, um, you know, very smart guy, very calculated guy, uh, does not give a whole lot away in interviews. Uh, but he, he knows how good he is. Uh, I, I would compare him a little bit to Jalen Smith and just in terms of great, great player. I don't, I wouldn't say that he is like an all-time great leader. Not that, and I, that's again, Jalen Smith was a captain. Kyle Hamilton will be a captain. Um, but I think as a, as a player, he is as unique to the safety position as Jalen was to the linebacker position. If frankly, if not more, uh, right. because you just don't find safeties built like him. Um, I, I think it'll be very interesting to sort of see him mature a little bit, and maybe we'll see a different side of his personality come out. I, I really feel like the last two years. He watched, he listened, he learned. Um, but I also think he's more kind of reserved in terms of what he puts off to the public. Um, maybe that will change a little bit this year as he, he goes through his junior year and certainly would be a, a top 10 pick candidate a, a year from now. Has there been any talk about like the the change in usage potentially with a, a new defensive system, new defensive scheme with Clark Lee moving on to Vanderbilt? Yes, uh, there, there has been talk about it. What the that looks like Marcus Freeman has not told me, right. um, but I, I know that privately Marcus Freeman has told people like they are going to wear Kyle Hamilton out. Um, mm. You know, he's not just going to be a single high center fielder safety, which he can do, um, but he's not just going to be in the box as a blitzer, almost, you know, similar to how they use Jeremiah Usukoromoa perhaps uh, in certain spots last year. I think you know, he could be a nickel corner. He could be a safety. They could put him in actual corner. They could put him in outside linebacker. I mean, they, I do think that, um, you know, last year, I think there was a lot of Wusu Koromo compared to Isaiah Simmons conversation. Right. I think Hamilton is probably the better Simmons conversation sure. because like he's got, he really can do everything. And is such a freak in terms of the measurables. Um, I'm going to be fascinated to see how Marcos Freeman employs him. So we've got the continuity or the lack of continuity from a schematic standpoint. Obviously, Marcus Freeman coming over from Cincinnati, uh, joining the Irish. Offensively, more continuity from a schematic standpoint, but personnel a little bit different. I would say the big playmaker, I guess, uh, from uh, from my point of view, Kyron Williams at, at running back returning. And we talked about him last week on the show as well. Uh, I, got, I want to ask you the same kind of question for Kyron. Uh, what is the the bill on him off the field? I mean, off the field, his default setting is more get up in front of the team, demand like excellence from your teammates. Um, that that's different. Um, he is more out there. I think his attitude, you know, talking to Tommy Reese, their offensive coordinator, like when they go out and recruit, one of the things they're looking for is Kyron Williams attitude in receivers and running backs and tight ends. Um, they, they sort of see that attitude as a real sort of for, force multiplier for what they are offensively. So that, he is very popular with the staff. Um, and I, I think he's very popular with his teammates as well. Um, you know, more out is probably the biggest personality outward facing on the team right now. Mm. Um, you know, not certainly not the talent that Kyle Hamilton is in terms of uniqueness, but uh, in terms of holding an offense together that, you know, you're, you're replacing four stars on the offensive line, new quarterback, new receivers. Uh, you, you lost Tommy Tremble tight end. Um, they're going to need somebody to sort of hold it all together from a player perspective. And I think Kyrie Williams sort of has the, 
the attitude to do it. It's funny. I, I'm a big believer, and this isn't the case for every player, but uh, their personality typically comes through with how they play the game. And I feel like everything you just said about Kyron, that shows up, you know, pass protection with how oh, hard yeah. he runs. I mean, uh, you could see that he's not necessarily a coach's pet, but like that kind of player, he does everything the right way. Yeah, I mean, there was a play at Pittsburgh last year, and it, it was maybe like a three-yard touchdown run. But, I mean, you can – there a linebacker comes over to sort of like half – you know, tackle him. And Williams is like, uh-uh, like I'm putting my helmet into your chest. Uh, you know, like a completely unnecessary because he could have just <laughs> fallen into the end zone. But like, that's sort of the attitude that he plays with. Uh, and I think that people pick that up. You know, you mentioned the blitz pickup, you know, his game against Clemson yeah. in November, the first one was really a masterpiece of blitz pickup. Um, you know, any NFL team is going to be like, damn, this is, you, we usually have to coach this for two or three years before a guy gets it. Um, you know, he's coming out of the box ready for this kind of thing. Yeah, especially against that scheme with Brent Venables. Yep. I mean, for what he did in that game, uh, really remarkable. Um, all right, so you mentioned the attrition uh, on this Notre Dame roster. You know, you lose Ian Book, the winningest quarterback in, in school history. Uh, most of that offensive line trembles. Skyrneck, uh, JOK on defense. The two starting defense events for the second straight year uh, move on. So I want to ask you, just for the 2021 season, are, is there a guy or two that you feel like, all right, like they're ready to kind of make that ascension into the next step where uh, there are more of the, the national discourse and everybody will know their name by the end of the year? I mean, there are three guys that are all on offense, um, you know, that, that at least jump out to me. Mike Mayer at tight end yep. is probably a first, he's probably first round pick good, um, second round at worst uh, as a three-year player. He's going into his sophomore year. Uh, you know, I mean, I've seen, I've covered Notre Dame for 20 years, which means I've covered a lot of really good tight ends. Yeah. Uh, he is, he is as, I, I don't know if he's good as Tyler Eifert or Kyle Rudolph in terms of athletic ability, um, but he is third at worst from that group. So very unique individual in terms of how athletic and agile he is at his size. Um, it's very hard to hurdle people at 260 pounds, 250 pounds, but he can do it. Um, so that, but then like the two other guys, Two offensive skill position players. Kevin Austin is a senior receiver. He's been suspended. He's been yep. injured. He has six catches in his career. But if Notre Dame's offense really clicks, he's going to have like a Miles Boykin, Chase Claypool kind of season. Uh, and they believe he has that ability. He just has not been able to show it. Um, still a question of whether he will. But um, that that's a real difference maker for Notre Dame's offense in terms of the ceiling. And then the other running back, Chris Tyree, going into a sophomore year, the staff feels like he can make a similar jump to Kyron Williams from Williams freshman to sophomore year. The difference is Williams carried, I think four times uh, as a freshman and then took a red shirt. Tyree carried about 50 ran for about 500 yards, but it, they think he's going to essentially be comparable to Kyron Williams last mm -hmm. year. So they will have two, I think next level quality backs and Tyree is much more of a home run hitter than Kyron Williams is Kyron Williams hit some home runs. So yeah. those are three guys offensively. Um, you know, one's a senior who hasn't played. The other two are sophomores who were big time recruits. Um, but if they click on, they'll click on mayor, but if Austin and Tyree click too, then the offense could be pretty dynamic. Uh, and I'm glad you brought up Kevin Austin because he was a guy that, uh, a year and a half ago, pre-pandemic, before the world shut down, uh, when I was able to talk to players in person at the Combine, Senior Bowl, Shrine Bowl, every Notre Dame guy I talked to was like, yeah, Kevin Austin is going to be that guy. And it and obviously it did not work out for him this past fall, but uh, excited to hear you say that, that he could. this could be the, the breakout year for him this fall. Yeah, there's uh, no question. I, I just think it, there was one spring practice, the only spring practice Notre Dame had last year when he was healthy. <laughs> And he toyed with the secondary. I mean, just toyed with them. And then everything shut down. He broke his foot and didn't really hear from him again. But, like, if he can be half of that player for 12 games, Notre Dame has uh, a very, very high-level receiver on its hands. So, over the years, I've asked you this question every single time you've come on. And you spotlighted Jerry Tillery uh, when he was uh, uh, not eligible for the draft as a guy could watch him for the future. Uh, Phil Jerkovich was a, a guy that you brought up <laughs> now, obviously at Boston college, you, you, in a roundabout way, I guess you, I was right. On that <laughs> you, one. you nailed that one for sure. Uh, so I'm going to ask you the same question. You brought up Michael Mayer, uh, a guy that uh, certainly has that first round ability. Who's not eligible for 2022. Is there another guy or, or two on this roster? You're like, yeah, look, not for next year's draft, but for down the line, just keep an eye out for this guy. I'll give you a couple guys on defense because, like, Mayer's 
cheating for this yeah. question. I think yeah. in some ways Austin and Tyree is as well. But there are, there are a couple defensive well, – I'll give you three defensive linemen. I'm not sure which one is going to click, but um, Isaiah Foskey and Jordan Botello are a couple right. defensive ends, have not played a lot. Botello is a sophomore, has barely played at all. I think he he's – I think he is going to have a boomer bust college career, like a typical screw loose kid. You bake in two personal fouls for roughing the passer before the <laughs> season and just hope you you get two or under. Um, but is wired in a way who has he has a chance to be great. He has a chance to sort of play himself into onto the bench, um, but could be dynamic. But I think if I was going to give you a real deep cut for like twenty three or maybe even twenty four. There's a defensive tackle named Riley Mills. He's 6'5", pushing, I would say, like 280, 290, but like cut. Mm. Really athletic, light on his feet. I He will be a rotational player this year. They're very old at defensive tackle, um, so there's not a ton of opportunity for him to get like 60 snaps a game. But I think his junior year in 2022 and then his senior year in 2023 – I think he could be like all American type good. Wow. Um, he he's just you don't see defensive linemen put together like that very often. Um, anywhere, not just in Notre Dame. And I think he's got um some real natural flexibility and bend to his game that um he's he will be a bona fide pro prospect who has barely played at all this year after a structure year. But I think that uh I just think the he is going to be a dynamic, dynamic player as a junior and a senior. Interesting. Uh, sorry, uh, he was not a, a name that was on my radar. You mentioned Foskey. I know he he was a guy I nearly talked about last week. Uh, the yep. Duke the Duke game last year. I remember watching that on TV and him just like jumping off the screen. Uh, looks, I mean, looks like a million bucks. Um, I think that in terms of like, does he have the play speed against higher level competition? We'll see. I mean, this yeah. is the time for him to show it. But, like, yep. he was not a factor against Alabama or right. Clemson or North Carolina. Um, he destroyed teams that either didn't block them schematically or were just overwhelmed athletically. Um, this is the year that he needs to to prove that he can be a guy against really good teams. Um, but you look at him in a uniform, like, how could this guy not be a day two pick at worst? Um, he's just somebody that's going to have to show it. Pete Sampson, you can follow him on Twitter at Pete Sampson underscore. He does great work for the athletic, their college football section, writing, uh, covering Notre Dame. Pete, thanks so much for joining us here on the Journey of the Draft podcast. Anytime. I always enjoy it. Hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode. Great stuff there from Pete Sampson. Great stuff earlier as well from Ryan Roberts and from Ben Fennel. We'll be back next week. We're going to the West Coast. We're going to break down the top players in the Pac-12. A lot of great players. Uh, a lot of great talent. Uh, this, it's been a little bit of a down couple years out West. A lot of great players uh, this year for the 2022 NFL Draft. We'll talk about it next week right here on the Journey of the Draft podcast presented by LifeBrand. Hi, Eagles fans. I'm Connor Barwin, and I'm here to tell you about the Eagles Autism Challenge presented by Lincoln Financial Group. This year's event will take place on Saturday, August 21st, and we can't wait to see all of you back at Lincoln Financial Field live and in person. Register today to walk, run, or ride. In addition to making a transformational impact on the autism community, you'll also receive a complimentary ticket to our public practice on Sunday, August 22nd. Register today at eaglesautismchallenge.org, and I'll see you there.